Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete. The phone numbers are 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Major Brian Foley said during a news conference last week that they need active parents. Charlotte Mecklenburg Police needs the support, the participation, and the partnership of active parents to negate youth violence. Overall crime in Charlotte is up 4.3% over last year, same uh, time period. All right, so we're talking about crime in the Queen City, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Here is Steve. Hello, Steve. Thanks for hanging on. Appreciate it. Hey, Pete. Sure. I think it's a very useful exercise. You know, um, if you're a if you're a mechanic or a, a computer programmer or, or, or if you're in sales, if you want to get to the bottom of the problem, it's what you're doing is kind of unpack why things happen, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great thing you're doing there. And, you know, one of the things that I think about is that young folks today, and see, that was almost prejudicial there to say it's all young people, because if you look at the Mecklenburg County uh, police lineup and such, it's okay. It's You got everybody, right? You got yeah. top to bottom, uh, older people, young people, and all that. So it's not just young people. But one of the things that I think about that contributes to what we're seeing is the fact that there is two systems of justice or two two degrees or two different applications of of responsibility, right? I think you have uh, law that is being applied to folks uh, like everyday folks and their kids, like you and me. And it, it appears that uh, if you're a national politician or even state level, uh, you, you, you don't have responsibility. You, you, you can thumb your nose at justice, the justice system. I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a guy, his name is, uh, I'll get to his name in a minute, but his, his, his quote was, his quote was, um, he said, I listen to him all the time. And he said, it's like I had horse blinders on. And this guy, Life is ruined. He's lost his house. He's lost his job. And his name is Stephen Ayers. And he testified with his hand on a Bible in front. He put his soul at risk. And I think folks need to be aware that Stephen Ayers and close to a thousand other people have done that. Many of them were either appointed by Trump or hired by the Trump administration. And they have been testifying and, and, you know, different of the news organizations have, have convinced people not to listen, um, to that, to those hearings, Pete. But I think when young people see and other people, when they see that they, that other, that there are certain individuals who are like royalty, they, they have no, they have no penalty for, for doing wrong. I think that they, you know, that's that's part of what's contributing to this to this here. It's a lot of factors. But um Stephen Ayer's life was ruined. He lost his house, he lost his job. His wife sitting behind him looked like she could barely stand to be there. And uh I think that uh there needs to be 
that justice needs to be blind and that no matter who it is, I don't care if they're like your previous caller, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, it doesn't matter. And these labels are dividing us, oh, by the way. Um, But everybody needs to be playing by the same set of rules. Uh, But you know, I do, but I... I, I don't think that that is a new phenomenon. This has been going on. It's been going on for a long time. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and and regardless so, but, of but, which, but well, but if it's if it's yeah. been going on for a long time, then why is it? Why is the you know violent crime going up now? Well, you're you know I I, I agree with the uh, I'm not I I don't I'm not an expert on both the rates of violent crime. But I do know that that if we have an environment where people say, well, these other guys are not getting caught, why should I be? Sure. Why should I pay the the crime? You know, why should I pay the bill? Right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and look, that's that is what uh, people on the right said about Hillary Clinton as well. And they said it about Bill Clinton and uh, people on the left said about George W. Bush. Right. So like that's. That's pretty standard that the, you know, electeds, uh, that a lot of times, yeah, they, they get to get away with stuff. And that message goes out loud and clear. I mean, this goes, I mean, the O.J. Simpson trial, right? I, I mean, like, the, how long ago was that now? 30 years, 25 years ago or something? So, Oh, I remember that. I mean, yeah. I was in a meeting, and, and we, were, we, were, we were stunned. But there was a, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And... Yeah. I believe that everyone should face the same penalties. You know, I did a study back uh, before the 2020 election because I I had read uh, the Senate um, uh, intelligence. And by the way, the Senate intelligence committee, well, the whole Senate was Republican until 2020. So I don't. It, there's a lot of people that 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 uh, intentionally downplayed the Senate intelligence committee reports on on Russian interference, by the way. But um, uh, there was uh, there was a lot of disinformation about voting and such. So I was concerned about interference. Um, of course, we know that one of Trump's appointees actually is the whole, the whole group. Why do you, hang, hang, hang on, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you keep bringing this conversation back to Donald Trump? Well, it's it's not just Trump. Actually, what I was getting ready to say okay. was about about voting. Um, if if you really look at uh, the amount of of actual uh, intentional fraud in voting, it's pretty minimal. But I think that if and in fact the Board of Elections has strengthened the penalties. It's a Class One felony to vote illegally. But it's a it's a fairly small problem, like a hundred. Uh, what, what, what is what 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 does this have to of, of, what does this have country. to do? I, I'm not going to get into a debate with you about uh, vote fraud and election integrity. I cover these topics regularly, but uh-huh. I, I'm I, I'm genuinely interested as to why you've gone down this path now. Why, like I understood the connection you were making with the January 6th committee and Donald Trump and you know the the acceptance of crime in our society so i like i 
I was interested to hear you kind of work out this point, but now you're on to the election integrity issue as well. And I'm I'm kind of unclear as to how that has to do with the rise of violent crime in Charlotte. Well, you're right. You know, I, I did not make my point clearly. Your previous caller had had some fairly draconian statements about, um, you know, holding parents yeah. responsible and which I agree, frankly, if this guy, you know, the Uvalde, uh, wasn't the Uvalde guy, was the Highland Park shooter. His dad bought the gun. Right, right. So, you know, he needs to be held responsible to the fullest extent of the law. Right. I agree. Um, and I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's different so than, I, you know, I go out and rob somebody at gunpoint and then my dad is charged with robbing somebody at gunpoint along with me. I, I don't think that. I don't think that's doable. I don't think that's feasible. Um, and you, you, you had a police officer just a moment ago, and, you know, we we give the police total responsibility for dealing with crime almost. You know, I mean, it's kind of the perception. But you know what? Police don't get involved until after a crime has been committed. Mm-hmm. So when you if you're really going to uh, go after crime in the case of, you know, regular population, you know, drugs and car theft and all that, you have to it you have to do some hard work. You know, like a preacher says, you know, let's unpack that. All right. Why why does it happen? Yeah, that which is the yeah, that was the sort of the original question. Steve, I appreciate the call. Uh thanks for making it. If anybody else wants to weigh in on that, we've got Dean and uh, Tim on the line, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Major Brian Foley said last week, we need active parents. CMPD needs the support, the participation, and the partnership of active parents to negate this youth Violence. Uh, I got a uh, a tweet here from David uh, regarding the previous caller, Steve. Pete, cut him off. <laughs> oh, I was curious where he was going with that. I I felt like there was a point that he was circling. He was, he was like he was cornering it, and he was like cornering it, and then he was like still cornering it. Yeah. Just never, I don't know. And he kept bringing it back to Trump. I don't, see, this is what I mean. I I am often amazed at how people can view everything through the prism of Trump. It's got to get to be a boring way to go through life. Maybe it's obsessive. I don't know. But everything comes back to Trump all the time, every issue. We're talking about violent crime, and that's, what, so you got gangbangers in the streets of Charlotte because they saw Donald Trump didn't get prosecuted or something? Is that what I'm supposed to take from that? I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't follow the logic. He didn't make that connection. So I don't want to put an argument in his mouth, but uh, let me go over here to Dean. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the program. Pete, 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 wake me back up, would you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so this is all political just they're tinkling in the wind they have to say that at the doj to make them sound good and intelligent but they all know it's on the back end because the prosecutors are not doing anything 
people living in their communities are not going to speak up because everybody who would get picked up will be home back in their own communities in less than 24 hours get another gun and they'll they'll be out for justice in their own street justice to shoot somebody who snitched on them right so it, it they're just tinkling in the wind saying the politically correct stuff and the police I love the police. Love the police. They're caught between a rock and a hard place, and they're trying to point the blame that's not on them. They're out there trying to do a really difficult job, don't know if they're going to come home to their loved ones, and they have to assign blame because it's not them because people just hit a revolving door. People just keep coming back out, coming back out, coming right. back out. Yeah, if there's, no, uh, if there's no guarantee that cleaning up your community will make you better off, uh, not that you can get a guarantee, but if you don't believe that, you know, telling the cops about the drug house next door and identifying people and not if you don't think that that's going to end up in a prosecution, then the risk for you is obviously much higher. And yeah, and, and you create an incentive for silence. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I appreciate it. Dean, good to hear from you, man. Yes, sir. Always going to talk to you, Pete. Love right. listening to you. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, 704-570-1110 is the phone number. This, uh, this question of active parents kind of takes me to another, uh, some other uh, stories here, some other research that I saw. The traditional model of marriage, not always honored in practice, but as the societal ideal the traditional model was marry young without living together first and with the aim of a lifetime commitment. There is a sociology professor, and he is the uh, director of the National Marriage Project, Bradford Wilcox, and he has published a new study along with a demographer named Lyman Stone, and their study supports the traditional view, the traditional model of marriage, says that uh, their analyses indicate that religious men and women, so religious men and women, who married in their 20s without cohabitating first have the lowest odds of divorce in America today. Religious men and women married in their 20s, did not live together first, have the lowest odds of divorce. We suspect one advantage that religious singles in their 20s have over their secular peers is that they have um, they are way more likely to have access to a pool of men and women who are ready to tie the knot and share their vision of a family-focused life. What else? Well, maybe a lack of experience could be of benefit. I'll explain in a minute. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Going to get to some emails here in a minute. First, let me get uh, Tom on. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, Tom. Tom, are you there? All right, I'll put you back on hold. You know, George, you want to pick that up and see if he's uh, if he's there or not. If not, we're moving on. But the uh, nationalreview.com, nationalreview.com has a write-up on this study done by a sociology professor who is also the director of the National Marriage Project, along with a demographer, 
and they looked at uh, divorce and you know people who tend to stay married for longer periods of time. They say that the traditional model of marriage tends to where you marry young without living together first with the aim of a lifetime commitment, and that generally works. They say uh, one advantage is that religious singles in their 20s have over the secular uh, folks in their 20s is that, you know, they're at a church. They're religious, so they're at church, and so they're, you know, meeting people in their peer group that have the same goals, right, to get married and have a family. Um, Shared faith is linked to more sexual fidelity, greater commitment, and higher relationship quality. A Harvard study found that women who regularly attended church were about 40% less likely to divorce. The family-friendly norms and networks found in America's churches, mosques, and synagogues make religion one of the few pillars of strong and stable marriages in America today. Then there's this other component about uh, people who live together before they get married. Couples who, they say, cohabited. I thought it was cohabitate. But all right, cohabited. I mean, they're the experts, I assume, so they would know. Couples who lived together were 15% more likely to get divorced than those who did not. So a little bit, but still 15% more likely to get divorced than people who did not first live together. Psychologist Galena Rhodes, who studies young adult relationships, said one of the reasons could be, quote, we generally think that having more experience is better in life. But what we find for relationships is just the opposite. More experience with different partners is linked to worse marriages. Having a history with other cohabiting partners may make you discount the value of your spouse. Sure, your husband John is dependable and a great dad, but not nearly as charming as Luke or as ambitious as Charles, the two other young men you may have lived with before marrying John. Making comparisons like these could undercut your marriage. Conventional wisdom holds that spending your 20s focusing on education, work, and fun, and then marrying around 30 is the best path to maximize your odds of forging a strong and stable family, but research shows a different story, at least for religious couples. Saving cohabitation for marriage and endowing your relationship with sacred significance seems to maximize your odds of being stably and happily married. So the old ways were adopted for some reason besides the patriarchy? Speaking of which, there was a a blurb over in the uh, Washington Examiner the other day. What patriarchy? There are hundreds of there are a hundred reasons a child might grow up without a father in the house, and most boys in such circumstances turn out fine thanks to heroic moms, a stepfather, adoptive parents, or just plain resilience and luck. But the odds are against the boys without their biological fathers present. According to the Institute for Family Studies, uh, they put out a brief titled Life Without Father, Less College, Less Work, and More Prison for Young Men Growing Up Without Their Biological Father. Boys are already less likely than girls to finish high school, less likely to go to college, less likely to graduate college, and the gap is even greater for kids from fatherless homes. 
looking at men ages 28 to 34, more than a third of them that were raised with their biological father had a college degree. Right? So if you're raised by your biological dad, one-third of the men in this age group, 28 to 34, a third of them have college degrees. If you compare those boys that were raised by their biological dad, you compare them to a cohort of boys that were not raised with a father, it's only 14% have a college degree. The correlation holds up. Even after controlling for race, family income, maternal education, age. Meanwhile, the uh, fatherless group of men twice as likely to have spent time in prison. 21% versus 10% if you're raised by your biological dad. Not unrelated to the college gap and the prison gap is the idleness gap. Men in their late 20s in neither a job nor school hail disproportionately from households without their biological father present. All right, let me go over here to Tom. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. Tom, are you there? I'm good. Man. All right, good. I enjoy your show. You you are truly the voice of reason. I listen to you. and I appreciate that. You put forth things that they're right. You kind of grew them. That they're wrong. You don't disagree. You just kind of show them the, uh, you know, the, I like your show, man. Well, thanks, Tom. I, I appreciate yeah. that. It's very kind of you. Let me say this, and I just want to vent, and I won't take but a second. But okay. We, we've got to find a way, and I'm talking about the law enforcement to stop these underage kids from getting guns. I mean, where are they getting these guns from, Pete? Can you just give me an idea of where they're getting these guns from? I mean, because that, it's just crazy. And um, the They're stealing thing- them. They're stealing them from cars, and they're stealing them from people's homes, um, or they're taking them from their own home. So that's where most you think most of the guns are coming from? Oh, yeah. Cars? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, so the according to the CMPD, and this is what I was told at our neighborhood community safety meeting several months ago, that was the big thing that they said, like their message to the, to the uh, neighbors was don't leave a gun in your car, uh, lock your car. uh, And if you are going someplace, if you are a concealed carry permit holder and you're going someplace that doesn't allow you to bring the gun in, then do not go there or do not bring the car. uh, Do not bring the gun. Don't leave the gun in the car. And last thing I want to thank you. And last thing I want to say is this, uh, and I'm 70 years old. I think uh, that the religious way, and I'm not, I've been to college, got a master's degree. I think the way of the Bible is the best way to bring society back to its, you know, to the where it should be. Now, mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Thank you for letting me say that. Sure, Tom. I appreciate the call. Um, and uh, I think that there was, a, I've quoted him before, Jordan Peterson, the clinical psychiatrist, uh, he was in a debate with the uh, atheist, uh, Sam Stein, I think is his name. And one of the things that he had uh, had argued was if you take Christianity and strip away the metaphysical stuff, right? Take, take away the, you know, the religious elements and just look at it as a sort of a, a way to order society as sort of a governing idea. And you'd be hard pressed to find uh, a better system that could help the most amount of people engage with each other and live amongst each other peaceably. Right? The, the, the rules and the way to behave with one another pretty, pretty clearly spelled out. And if you, 
you know, take away the metaphysical side of the religion and you just look at the sort of this is how we want to order our society. Is there a better one that's been developed yet? I thought it was a compelling argument. I did at least. Alrighty, that, that's Blues Traveler. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Let me go over here to Bob, who's been waiting hey. patiently. Hello, Bob. Welcome. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you? I'm all right. Good I'm all right. Yeah. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, just wanted to say, my wife and I fit your description to a T. We were married at 21. She was a senior in college. I was in the Navy. Uh, it's going to be 50 years to September. And um, we don't. she came from a better background than mine. Mine's got everybody's divorced. Mm. Grandparents, you name it. And yet, we aren't. Mm-hmm. And you met at, did you meet at like church or something? We met, at, no, I was in the Navy. She was a, uh, a blind date visiting a friend who was wife of my supervisor. And we didn't see each other for five months until I came home on leave. And most of our time over the nine months was with letters. Mm-hmm. We, wrote, we wrote letters back and forth for nine months. And she graduated early September. I came home. We got married two weeks later. And, I mean... We waited to have children for four years, and we wanted to be economically stable, mm-hmm. and uh, it was well-planned. I mean, consider it. We knew, uh, in my case, I said somebody wants that. All parents serve as examples. Right. Sometimes they're examples of what we don't want to be. Yeah. And that's that's my, my background. Yeah. I didn't want to be like my parents. Well, Bob, thanks for uh, sharing. I appreciate it, and congratulations uh, on, what, 52 years, you said? 50 years this year. 50, 50 years. years. Yeah, congratulations. Well, thanks, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's the that's the accomplishment. There should be, you know, the, the big party should be, uh, Kristen and I talked about this when we were getting married. It's like the people, and we honored people at our wedding who had been together for a long period of time. We had people who, you know, the uh, welcomed them to the dance floor and, you know, people who had been married for really, really you know, long we were, time. We were married 25 years. The kids at church, when it was announced at the pulpit, were amazed. They're not used to parents being married 25 years, even. Mm. That's sad. I mean, divorce is so common. Yeah. No, that's kind of sad. Uh, yeah. Bob, yeah, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks, gotcha. sir. All right. Um, that was he's uh, referring to the study that we covered. Um, marry young, marry your first, and stay married. Uh, this new research that shows that the traditional model of marriage uh, was to marry young without living together first with the aim of a lifetime commitment. And according to this... Uh, study that actually that actually works <laughs> um but along those lines there was this from gallup they've been asking this question for years decades uh do you believe in god the number of americans who believe in god is now at an all-time low 81 percent of americans believe in god that is the lowest percentage in the poll since they began conducting it in 1944 There were 17% of American adults who say they do not believe in God and 2% who say they were not sure. The latest poll shows the number of adult, uh, yeah, the number of American adults who believe in God is down 6% from the 2017 survey. Um, 68% of young adults between the ages of 18 and 29 believe in God. 68%. Based on regions, the South polled the highest at 86% versus the East being the lowest at 78%.
there was only a 2% difference between people in cities versus suburbs and rural areas. The survey said 94% of conservatives, 92% of Republicans had the highest belief in God. You know what's coming next, right? (laughs) The lowest percent, 62% of liberals believe in God. 72% of Democrats believe in a higher power. Independence polled at 81%. When asked if God hears prayers and intervenes, 56% of conservatives said God can help those who pray versus only 25% of liberals who had faith. That's interesting. I suspect that might be part of the reason why the, you know, after mass shootings and they say these awful things about, you know, thoughts and prayers not being enough, but like they say these terrible things about people who offer thoughts and prayers, condolences and that sort of thing. And and like, of course you should, of course you should offer your prayers. If you are a praying person, you should offer your prayers for peace and comfort. Absolutely. And then reaction though, it's, it's always been amazing to me. Now this kind of makes sense. They don't think that the prayers work. Um, a 2021 poll of 2,000 U.S. adults by Arizona Christian University discovered that more millennials believe in guidance from horoscopes than those who believe that the universal purpose for all people is to know, love, and serve God with all heart, mind, and strength and soul. 19%. More millennials believe the horoscope than in God. More millennials believe in astrology than the idea that the universe was designed and created and is sustained by God, and that God's all-knowing, all-powerful, and a just creator of the universe. Yikes. Gen X isn't much better, apparently. But I don't want to hear any about that. I'm a Gen Xer. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) 